1: Hello again, friends! Happy Saturday, and welcome on into episode twelve of Pat's Pulpit Radio Rewind. My name is Mark Schofield. Happy to be with you on today, Saturday, November thirtieth, two thousand nineteen. December just around the corner. I hope those of you here in the states are having a lovely Thanksgiving weekend with family, with friends, getting to enjoy some downtime. Those of you listening around the globe, I hope you're having a wonderful Saturday. Now, each Saturday here on Pat's Pulpit Radio Rewind. We bring you the best of what the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network had to offer over the course of the previous week and from all of our shows. From the flagship Pat's Pulpit Podcast with Rich Hill and Alex Shane to Patriot Nation from Pat Lane and Ryan Spagnoli, our new show Pulpit Playback, and of course, The Sco Show with yours truly. In addition, this will give us a Pat's Pulpit, a chance to get you caught up with any last-minute news before the weekend gets rolling and also cover some college games and even players to scout that should be on your radar if you're looking for something to do on Saturday. Plus, we've got some great music to bring you in and out of these shows. That is Hope from Head of Music. And you can check them out at headofmusic.com. Now, don't forget, these are just snippets of the shows you will hear every day on the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network. And you can get these by subscribing to Pat's Pulpit via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your shows. Don't forget to leave reviews for us as well. Five-star reviews, always appreciated. And on a personal note, I'm trying to track down from behind my buddy Michael Kist and everybody over at Bleeding Green Nation and Bleeding Green Radio. So if you can help us out with some reviews, I'd really appreciate it. Look, there's nothing more motivating than trying to one-up a friend. That's all I'll say. Let's get to the injury report, and honestly, it might be easier to just list who isn't on the Patriots' injury report right now. Both teams, the Patriots and the Houston Texans, releasing their final injury report prior to Sunday's game. Here's who's out. For New England, tight end Ryan Izzo is out with an illness. And for Houston, defensive tackle Carlos Watkins is out with a hamstring injury. Now, left tackle Isaiah Wynn, linebacker Dante Hightower, and quarterback Joan Williams all returned to practice to close the week after battle in the flu. Players player is just as doubtful. For Houston, offensive tackle Titus Howard with a knee injury. No Patriots listed with a doubtful designation. For questionable, we'll start with Houston. Defensive tackle Angelo Blackson, linebacker Brennan Scarlett, cornerback Gary and Conley, all listed as questionable. For the wide receiver, I mean, excuse me, for the New England Patriots, here are the players listed as questionable. Mohamed Sanu, Philip Dorsett, Julian Edelman, Matthew Slater. There's four wide receivers. Then Isaiah Wynn with an illness. Marcus Cannon with an illness. Jermaine Illuminor with an illness. Brian Cowart with a head injury. Juwan Bentley with a knee injury. Jimmy Collins with an illness. Dante Hightower with an illness. Kyle Van Noy with an illness. Jason McCourty with a groin injury. That kept him out last week. Stephon Gilmore with an illness. Juwan Williams with an illness. Nate Ebner with an ankle to back injury. And safety Patrick Chun with illness slash heel on his designation. Now all that comes to mind is this. As a parent, I find myself now believing in the power of the hat, the coat, and the scarf. These guys were all out in the cold and the wind and the rain on last Sunday. Now they're all sick. Wear your coats and hats and gloves and scarves, kids. I'm just saying. So the Patriots might be a little short-handed when things kick off Sunday night down in Houston. Hopefully, everybody gets that vitamin C, makes a quick recovery. Let's talk the college game. Turn into our official trademarked rake scale. Let's face it. It's a holiday weekend here in the States. You shouldn't be doing yard work anyway. And you've got more of a reason not to. It, it, we'll call this a zero. I'm just going to go out and say it. Maybe I can help you get out of some chores. You can turn to a loved one. Maybe you get that honey-do list. Say, no. Mark said it's a zero rake weekend. Why? We get some great college football down a level on Saturday. We had some games on Friday. I'll touch on that in a second. But look, down a level... You've got it, the big one, kicking off at noon. Ohio State at Michigan, the Ohio State, that team up north. That's at noon on Fox. Obviously, some big-time implications for that one. If Ohio State wins it, they probably lock down that. Well, they lock down a berth in the Big Ten Championship game. They've already got that. But if they win this and win the Big Ten Championship game, they probably lock up that top overall seed in the college football playoff. Also, at noon on ABC, you get... Clemson, at, excuse me, on ESPN, you get Clemson at South Carolina and Georgia, Georgia Tech. Those are all noon kickoffs. The Ohio State-Michigan game, that's on Fox. You get some big ones kicking off in that 3.30 time slot. Thumb's going to get a lot of work during this hour because you get Alabama-Auburn in the Iron Bowl. That's Alabama number five at 15, Auburn at 3.30 on CBS. You get Baylor-Kansas, 3.30 on ESPN. Baylor number nine in the country. Probably on the outside looking in, but you never know. And then a big one that I'll be keeping an eye on, speaking of the Big Ten, number 12, Wisconsin at number 8, Minnesota. That's 3.30 on ABC, your national game on ABC in that time slot. Why is it a big deal? Well, it's the battle for Paul Bunyan's axe, of course. I know you all knew that. But the winner locks up the Big Ten West and locks up that date with Ohio State. And who knows? Who knows? The winner of that game goes into Indianapolis and knocks off Ohio State. They could be playing for a national title. So that's going to be a huge one. Again, Wisconsin at Minnesota, the battle for Paul Bunyan's axe. That is on ABC at 3.30. Oregon, Oregon State, the Civil War at 4. We get another chance to look at Justin Herbert. And then as we get into primetime, you get Texas A&M out, LSU. Not a huge game, but obviously LSU needs to take care of business. We get another chance to see Joe Burrow in action. Get Florida, Florida State. That's usually a big one. Florida number eleven in the country right now. Colorado, Utah. Utah is ranked number six on the outside looking in right now, but a Pac-12 championship game on the line, berth on the line for them. You're gonna need to lock that one down. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. You get a little bit of a, a bedlam action. You get that on 8 p.m. On, excuse me, at 8 p.m. on Fox. And now I did want to touch on something briefly here. Before we turn it over to the rest of this show, and that is this. I spent the entire week on a number of outlets, promoting the one, the only, Anthony Gordon. What did he do in the Apple Cup on Friday afternoon? 48 of 62 for 308 yards and two picks as Washington State loses to Washington yet again. It me, putting on the old clown makeup, dropping some takes. Still, though, I like this Gordon kid. He was hampered by an ankle injury. He was all bent up, taped up. So didn't look great, but hopefully he gets into a bowl game, rests up a little bit, and then gets down to Mobile and puts on a show for the Scouts, of which I will be in attendance. Because remember, friends, whenever this Patriots season ends, hopefully after the Senior Bowl, but whenever it ends, we will shift immediately into draft mode. We will have you covered all the way up through the draft and all the way through the summer because we we do it right here at Pat's Pulpit. But up next, speaking of doing it right, we're going to have some of the stuff we got right over the previous week here on the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network. That is ahead on Episode 12 of Pat's Pulpit, Radio Rewind.
2: Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com.
1: Mark Schofield back with you now on episode 12 of Pat's Pulpit Radio Rewind, and it's time to get to the heart of the show, the best that we had to offer over the past week at the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network. We kick it off with our instant reaction show shortly after New England's 13-9 win over the Dallas Cowboys, Pat and Spags hopped on the microphone to record their thoughts, and in this segment, Pat gets into the Patriots' offense, their passing game, and play caller Josh McDaniels. No, and that's the thing too,
2: you know, Myers, same thing. He, you know, he had a few different ones where he dropped a pass or two here or there, but he stepped up on that, on that drive to put them up by seven um, and had, you know, had some really nice catches, including one where he extended a play and picked up the first down instead of going out of bounds. And so, you know, certainly some good things to see all around. I just thought that, you know, with, in regards to Brady, when you look at Edelman, who's hurt, he's clearly hurt. I mean, you know, he's hurt every drop he has where, you know, it seems like he's having to reach for and his arm and his shoulders killing him. And so I, I think that that's part of the problem is that his shoulder isn't a hundred percent right yet. And so I think that that's really an issue for, for them. Um, and then you look at two, Sanu and Dorset were both out. So now he's dealing with, you know, young inexperienced guys with an, with nasty weather anyways, and for Brady to come out and play the way he played, I, w- I was impressed. And, and, you know, look, that last drive when, um, when they ended up, I think they, they had to punt at the end there um, to give, the, to give the, um, the Cowboys the ball back. You know, they come out, throw, throw, throw. They're moving right down the field. And then McDaniels calls a run to Michelle and picks up four yards. Fine. That's fine. It's been working. Now you run it to the other side and get stuff for a four-yard losses, third and ten. What are we doing? It just it doesn't it didn't make any sense. You've been gashing them with the pass the entire drive. You can you have a chance to put the game away. And instead of giving it to Tom Brady and, and telling him to try to pick up six yards in two plays, you run it with Michelle and he loses four yards. And it just it didn't make any sense, you know? And it just it's a prototypical McDaniels call where it's like, oh, we picked up four on first down. Now let's go back to the other side and see what we can do. And it gets blown up in the backfield. And it's just like. Come on, Josh, you need to be better than that. And I know that, I know Brady and all the, you know, there's a bunch of, a bunch of young guys out there and the weather's terrible and blah, 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 blah. It doesn't matter. The game's on the line and you got Tom Brady back there. Give the ball to him and and let him pick up the first down to win the game. That's what you need to do. And, you know, McDaniels didn't do it and it didn't cost him the game, but I, I thought it almost could have. And so, you know, luckily the defense shut him down, but you know, but it could have.
1: Also for a post-game show, we had episode 43 of the Sco Show, and here I share my thoughts on John Simon in this Patriots defense. Prescott wants to eventually roll to the left side to where Simon is. Simon does a tremendous job of mirroring the quarterback, doesn't let him get to the edge, doesn't let him scramble and pick up yardage, forces him to make a throw and it falls incomplete. Tiny little things like that that won't show up in the score sheet that nobody will remember come tomorrow morning. But stuff like that matters because when you get 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 people buying into what you're doing on defense, buying into just doing their job on every single snap of the football, that's how you become the number one defense in the league. And speaking of number one rankings, right? This was the number one passing offense in the National Football League. Yes, by yards per game, which maybe not the best metric, But Dak Prescott was putting up MVP-type numbers. Myself, many other people making the case that he should be in the MVP conversation. Now, the conditions obviously played a role. But this passing game, their best receiver held to zero catches. This passing game, and yes, again, weather wasn't great. They were held to three field goals. Three field goals, nine points. On Wednesday, we dropped two new episodes for you. First up was episode 173 of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. And on this installment of the flagship show, Alec and Rich dive into Tom Brady, the New England Patriots offense, and some of the new weapons taking shape around the veteran quarterback.
0: Yeah, that's a really good question because, again, like its I think it's really hard. You know, I'd love to sit here and, and praise the defense and say that the defense and how they played is exclusively the reason why the Dallas Cowboys were kept out of the end zone all day but I can't sit here and blame the weather for a poor offense for the Patriots and not the same for Dallas. You have to factor the weather in. That was a really gross, windy game. I'm really glad I was home watching it on the on the couch. It is not a game I would have wanted to go to. You're a diehard fan if you were there. Congratulations on that one. So I'd love to give it a little more time. In terms of what the weapons you mentioned did with the reps they were given, I think uh, Myers had a great game. There are a couple of balls – he probably could have caught that he didn't. Uh, Nikhil Harry, I think, had of his four targets, he caught one that was a touchdown. I think there were two of the two, probably three of the four he probably could have caught. One was a little, little off. Um, he had a pretty bad drop on the sideline. He was doing kind of the, the toes in and it kind of bounced off his chest and out. Uh, I think those are just rookie mistakes and rookie jitters. They will come to be. And I think really thing about Tom. Brady getting his trust, just getting reps and getting balls thrown your way and catching them. Uh, Myers definitely helped his cause. Harry, I don't know, uh, jury's still out on him to be honest with you, but I liked what I saw. That was a beautiful back shoulder catch. That was a red zone type type play the Patriots haven't really seen all season. So I'm hoping they can take these this game and build off it. And then when Sanu does come back and Dorset does come back. They'll draw some pressure away on the better receivers. And maybe if it's a scenario where Edelman is double covered and Sanu can't get separation, Brady will be comfortable going to a Myers or a Harry and they're seeing single coverage from other defenses.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was, it's all about confidence building at this point in time. And from what we saw with Harry is that the, I mean, he's clearly still shaking the rust off. But as you said, he presented a type of receiver that the Patriots simply haven't had in the red zone, both this year. I mean, Josh Gordon was that for a little bit, but, uh, Harry is a unique receiver for this Patriots roster and so that's nice for them to have that hopefully he'll continue to develop and honestly I think that we've seen uh, Tom Brady taking a greater interest in the production of these rookies in recent weeks as their role was expected to expand, uh greater than what he was doing at the beginning of the year. You know, the, the Patriots continued to acquire players because they didn't want to have to rely on their pair of rookies. And so that's why they acquired Sanu, they signed Antonio Brown. They wanted to have a bunch of veterans that understand professional offenses and it just didn't happen and so as a result brady's been putting in more time with them it's been paying off and hopefully down the stretch into the postseason they can emerge the same way that malcolm mitchell did during that 2016 season because uh, brady needs his targets and at this point in the year there's not going to be too many other players walking through that door
1: then on wednesday we dropped episode 44 of the Sco show and in this clip i break down a play from isaiah Wynn and one of the better pass blocking reps he had against the Cowboys. But I do want to end on a good note. I'm going to talk about another play, a third and 11, the 939 mark. And if you look up this play, you'll think, Mark, but this is a sack. How is this good? Because it's a good pass rush rep from Isaiah Wynn. Because once more, Quinn now, try to get into Quinn's head. You've beaten him outside twice. You come inside. Maybe you're going to get back to the outside, right? And that's what he tries to do. Goes wide nine, comes upfield, and Wynn doesn't overcommit as much. He sort of stays parallel with him, rides him to the outside, and then when Quinn realizes he's been beaten, he's the only way he can get back to Brady is if he spins. Isaiah Wynn is with him every single step of the way. But then Quinn gets sort of cut blocked by Shaq Mason, not because Shaq Mason was helping out. No, because Shaq Mason got driven back by his defensive tackle, and was just sort of spinning around and losing his balance. And he tumble rolls into Robert Quinn to cut block him. But up until that point, Winnett got the better of Robert Quinn on that pass rush rep. So I wanted to end there because I thought it was a, another example. Like we talked about when he picked up the stunt and twist earlier. Here, he sees the guy starting to set him up for that outside pass rush again. Does it, doesn't it does overcommit to it. So when he tries to spin back to the inside, he's there as well. So a bit of a learning process for Isaiah Wynn but I thought a very good game from him overall and then on Thursday Thanksgiving day we still had two more new shows for you first up was episode 174 of the Pat's Pulpit podcast and in this clip Rich Hill dives into the anticipated matchup between Stephon Gilmore and DeAndre Hopkins
3: Oh, absolutely. I mean, Hopkins, I think is, uh, if he had, he's the modern Larry Fitzgerald. Not that Fitzgerald isn't around anymore, yeah. but he had to play with the worst array of quarterbacks for the longest time. Uh, you know, Fitzgerald did have it worse, but Hopkins has continued to find a way to <laughs> produce. He has a great rapport with Sean Watson. He has just a preposterous catch radius he can do it in traffic he can do it down the field he can do yards after the catch whatever they need him to do he is able to do that and he is their number one receiver and if i'm the patriots i will absolutely put stefan gilmore matched up against deandre hopkins and allow them to do their thing because gilmore has had success against hopkins in the past you know he's limited him to i believe like an average of 40 yards per game over the last two games which is you know gilmore shut out amari cooper last week it would be a tall task to do that to Hopkins, to do that back to back in two premier wide receivers, but Gilmore is playing cornerback at a level that we haven't seen under Bill Belichick. Uh, and I don't think that I'm out of order to say that, that Gilmore is playing the best cornerback we've seen of the Belichick era. And I, I would absolutely not consider it a waste to put him against DeAndre Hopkins because, uh, this is a very talented, Houston Texans offense where there isn't a player that you can kind of hide against you know where you can feel like you can uh there's not not like a single focal point I should say where there's some other teams that you face like the New York Jets where there's like Le'Veon Bell and if you stop Le'Veon Bell you've stopped their entire offense here it's pretty well balanced they I mean Hopkins is their great wide receiver of course but they have two other receivers that are also producing well with Will Fuller and Kenny Stills. So there are two other very, very fast players out there that I would probably put Jonathan Jones on against one of them and JC Jackson against the other with Daron Harmon playing deep to help out, uh, making sure that there aren't any big plays that take place over the top. But those are two players that are averaging a lot of yards per game. And that's not it. They, I mean, they have two other tight ends. They have Jordan Aikens and Darren Fells that are producing at the tight end spot, averaging 26 yards per game apiece. So Bill O'Brien likes to use multiple tight end sets. So Patrick Chung, possibly Terrence Brooks, will have their opportunities to match up against these tight ends. And so there's not a place where you can say putting Gilmore on player X will stop their entire offense. So that's worth doing. So you might as well match up talent on talent. So I would say Gilmore on Hopkins, you put Jonathan Jones and JC Jackson on Kenny Stills and Will Fuller and then you allow the Patriots defensive front to do their job and make sure that Carlos Hyde doesn't develop any sort of momentum out of the backfield.
1: Also on Thursday I dropped episode 45 of the Sco show and a familiar phrase returned exploit the hesitation. And here's what we might see from Deshaun Watson. But you got to take advantage of these moments when Hopkins holds the ball too long because a lot of these sacks are on him. And I know that sounds a little bit odd, but sacks are a quarterback stat in a sense. And Ben Baldwin from the Athletic Seattle has, has been saying things like this, and I entirely agree with him on it. Sacks are a quarterback stat, at least in part, because when you have an opportunity to throw the ball downfield and you don't take it and you end up getting sacked, That's on you. Another thing to mention, pressure schemes. You know the Patriots love to bring the heat. They've been doing it this season on a fourth and two play against Watson. The Ravens brought a cover zero blitz look that New England does all the time. The Texans can't block everybody. Watson's forced to hurry this throw. Hopkins has a step. He's open, but the pass is low, slightly off target due to the pressure and falls incomplete. I think they'll be able to Force some mistakes from Watson, force some hesitation from Watson, and that might be the difference in this game. Then we closed out the week with episode fifty-four of Patriot Nation podcast, and Pat and Spags were joined by Matt Weston from Battle Red Blog to preview the Houston-New England game, and here Matt dives into newly acquired left tackle Laramie Tunsil.
4: Yeah, that's right. Uh, I mean, Tunsil's very good. Like he's like. He's kind of boring to watch because he just soaks up every one versus one pass block as a left tackle. Uh the run game, he's fine. Like he can do a better job blocking the second level. He just kind of like shoves guys out wide and does a lot of one versus one blocking. But yeah, he's like, you know, he's really good. He's really good as a left tackle. But again, like the problem with pass protection is that it's not just one player, it's an entire right. ecosystem that protects the quarterback. And so you see the same issues with, you know, there are routes being picked up on and nobody being open. And then you see the same issues where they have max protect and only two routes downfield, but it's the same deep crossing routes they've been run for eight weeks. And you see you know, the same issues of blitz protection too. So, I mean, since a great player, is he worth two first round picks and a second round pick? Uh, I don't think so. But of course the trade looks good right now because they gave up zero uh, present assets for that trade. The entire trade, they will understand the repercussions right. for really until you know, next year, whenever they have a he- expensive roster in two or three years from now. We don't really feel the ramifications from But yeah, like,
1: Tunsil's great, but there's just so much more that goes to pass protection than that. So there you have it, some of the best we had to offer this week at the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network. We'll be back sometime after the game on Sunday night with our Instant Reaction Show and or another episode of The Sco Show, hopefully a glorious victory edition. Until then, friends, and please enjoy the rest of your holiday weekend. And just remember... From the front office down to the advanced scouts, the coaching staff, the players, and yes, the hosts of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network. There are no days off.